There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. One church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. And fully submit to God's word, which is the lamp to my feet and the light to my path. In this year of fruitfulness, I will manifest good results in every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right? Uh, I, I want to get right into this. Father, let's pray. We bless you and we honor you and we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. Father, that resistance in this atmosphere, that's a spirit of witchcraft. And so I break that now in the name of Jesus and take authority over this atmosphere now and say, Lord, have your way. Anybody that opposes your word going forth tonight, Father, we pray that that would be shut down and that where the spirit of the Lord is, there would be liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there would be freedom. So move tonight by your spirit. In Jesus' name, I want everybody for 10 seconds to worship God with no music. Go. Give them 10 seconds of worship everybody everybody 10 seconds give him worship in this building and online come on come on i need to hear you there's got to be a sound 10 come on nine come on hey god we glorify you we magnify you you're high and lifted up have your way in this place tonight five come on four come on three Two, one. Everybody in here, holler, yes, Lord. So, guys, this is the third week of this series, 2020. And so far, we've learned that sight is what we see and vision is how we see it, which is perception. And we learned that perception can be for poisoned by four sources. The first was people. People can project their stuff onto you and poison your perception. Easy you to lay your hands on yourself and say, no person will poison my perception. Watch this. Especially people who are mad they can't hold the seat they used to hold in your life. I'm going to preach the way I want to. There are certain people who used to hold certain seats in your life, certain seats of access to you that watch this. When you shut off the access and when you shut them off from that seat, now they want to poison your perception about, watch this, what you're able to do in life. And so anytime you're celebrating, they now get an attitude. And I need you to learn how to not let anybody poison your perception. Watch me. It might be your mama. It might be your daddy. It might be somebody with your blood. It might be somebody that you're dating. You cannot let people project onto you and poison your perception 
The second thing that can poison your perception is pain. When you deal with so much pain, it can end up conditioning you now to think that everything has got to be extra difficult. You know people whose perceptions are poisoned by pain because they constantly make you pay for the mistakes of people you've never met. You know you're dealing with people whose perceptions are poisoned by pain because everything they say is through the lens of something that did not happen but could happen. What do you mean? They're always talking about, well, it could go wrong. Well, this could happen. Well, I'm scared to trust. Well, this and that. Well, none of that has happened. And so sometimes you become a self-fulfilling prophet and prophesy your own pain to perpetuate itself because you're so scared of being hurt again. I need you to lay your hands on yourself and say, pain won't poison me. Yeah, you're not the only one to be hurt. You're not the only one to be let down. You're not the only one to be betrayed. You're not the only one to be cheated on. You're not the only one with somebody lied to. You're not the only one that put more in than other people did. And it seems like they got off scot-free. But I'm going to tell you, God is not a man that he should not know the son of a man that he should repent. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And you don't need to worry about getting even. You just need to keep it moving. Third thing that can poison your perception of problems. Whenever you deal with a lot of problems, whenever you deal with a lot of issues, it can end up poisoning your perception. And so consequently, today I did a prayer. If you don't follow me on social media, go watch it on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Because there's something called decision fatigue. Say decision fatigue. Uh, here's what, how decision fatigue works. Decision fatigue works like this. When you are dealing with so many decisions that you have to make at one time, so many problems that you have to deal with at one time, you can become fatigued to the point, watch this, that you will mistake decision fatigue as depression. You'll mistake decision fatigue as anxiety. You'll mistake decision fatigue as I don't want to do this no more. That's not really what your issue is. Your issue is that you have used so much of your energy to deal with your problems that now you are trying to just muster up energy to deal with your day. Come here. You've used so much of your energy just sorting your way through your daily battles that when you finally have to get to a decision that should be simple, you make it hard. It should be easy, but you make it difficult. It ought to be something that shouldn't take you that long. Let me prove it to you. It took you 20 minutes to decide what you wanted to eat because you're that tired in your head. You are that fatigued in your mind that simple decisions become difficult. You already know what you need to do, and here's what you keep doing to delay it. You keep praying for clarity. You don't need clarity. You need courage. What is courage? Courage is the ability to do what I know what I already got to do, but when I got decision fatigue, I keep asking God to make clear what's already been made clear. Touch your neighbor and tell him I rebuke your decision fatigue. The fourth thing that can poison your perception is your past. That's why the scripture says in Isaiah, behold, I do a new thing. Come on, everybody say it with me. New thing. Everybody say it with me. New thing. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it springs forth, shall you not know it. The problem with your past is that it will poison your perception to thinking that's all you can ever be. You know someone that, watch this, has a poison perception because of their past, because everything that they do, they, watch this, always turn it into what it used to be. Everything they talk about is what it used to be. Watch this. They're still talking about the prime of 89. They still talking about four cars ago. Y'all not talking. They're still talking about what used to be. And the problem, watch this, here's going to be the greatest enemy to future victory. Past ones. David, after Goliath, we need you to have some new victories. Come here. After your past victory, you got to have some new victories. Can I get you to lift one of your hands in the air and say it's time for new victory? 
it's nice what you did in January, but baby, we in December. It's nice what you did last month, but baby, we in a new month. It's nice what you did in the last decade, but we're about to step into a brand new decade, and God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, uh, above all that you can ask or think. So I need you to come up with something new. Are you still here? So watch this. On Sunday, we learned that poison perception from one of those four sources, people, pain, problems, and your past, it will make you think that God only uses open doors. And sometimes we learned on Sunday, God uses what? Closed doors. In fact, closed doors work better. Revelation 3 says this, 3 and 7. And to the angel of the church at Philadelphia. Angel there means to the leader of the church at Philadelphia. Philea, it means brotherly love. So to the church, that's why uh, Philadelphia is known as the city of brotherly love. Because it comes from the Greek word, which means the brotherly love. It says, the words of the holy one, the true one. So who are we talking about? God, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will what? Shut. So when God opens something, nothing can shut it down. Now, here's what it doesn't say. There are certain doors God has opened for you, but your baggage wouldn't let you through. There are certain doors you have literally prayed to open, and God says, whoop, there it is. But your baggage made you so, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Your baggage, you were trying to get your baggage through the door, and God says, I opened the door for you. Watch this, not your hurt. I opened the door for you, not what your mama and them did to you, not what your daddy did to you. Let me get in your business, not what your last pastor did to you. Baby, I am not your last pastor. Ain't no rev in front of my name. It's most rev if you want to be specific. It says, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut. The issue many of us have is the doors we haven't walked through and because we're trying to carry things in the door that can't, that, watch this, that didn't pass security. You're carrying baggage in the door that can't make it through the door with you. And the problem is, is that you won't lose the baggage, but the baggage is why you can't walk in the door. I need you to lay your hands on yourself and say, I rebuke your baggage. Mm -mm, you ain't talking to you the way you need to talk to you. If you talk to you stronger, you get quicker results. Talk to you real strong. Say, I rebuke your baggage. What is baggage? It represents things from the past that you've accumulated that you were supposed to leave in the places you experienced it. Things from the past that you've accumulated that you were supposed to leave in the places that you accumulated. So you were never supposed to bring that insecurity out of that divorce. Let me talk over here because these people ain't saying nothing to me. You were never supposed to bring that lack of trust, watch this, out of that bad friendship. You were never supposed to bring that depression out of that valley. You kept it with you as a security blanket. But I need you to just watch this. Lay your hands on yourself and speak to you. You're going to talk to you a lot tonight and just say, what's this? Say, no more baggage. Say it again. Say, no more baggage. He opens and no one will shut. Because sometimes we're, we're blaming God for things we've done. God, you're not opening doors. He says, look, dude, this door has been open. You didn't walk through it. And then blame me when we wouldn't take the bags. But then watch the next part of the verse. Who shuts and ain't nobody getting it open. When God shuts a door, watch this. Here's how you know there are certain doors with certain people God has shut. It's because your taste for them has changed. There are certain folk, watch this, when I look at them, I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. ain't going to be able to do that. Mm-mm. Don't even say hey to me. I don't even know. Y'all ain't talking to me. 
Do I You know you've graduated from certain emotions where God has shut the door. Because even when that emotion creeps up, you're like, mm -mm, I don't have time. I'm not crying tonight. That ain't one on the schedule. Tonight's a night of celebration. For those of you who have decided that, watch this, I'm not wasting any more of my time and negative emotions. I want you to give God three seconds of crazy praise. Ready? Go. Three. Crazy praise. Two. Come on. One. Holler, yes, Lord. Holler, yes, Lord. No, I'm not going to cry. I ain't got the time. You ain't worth them tears. If I'm going to cry, listen, it's going to be, watch this, it's going to be tears of joy. Can you rehearse your, watch this, your tears of joy for 2020? What do you mean rehearse it? I just need you to shake yourself free of the stuff that had you discouraged this year, the stuff that had you frustrated this year, and I need you to get ready because God says in 2020, you take it off. What you going to be crying for? Because they paid it off for me. What you going to be crying for? Because they gave it to me. What? <laughs> so what? Verse 8 shows us that what he opens are such are doors, either literally or figuratively. So verse 8 says, I've set before you an open door. So now we know what he was talking about in verse 7. Say doors. doors. All right? And so watch this. Uh, uh, doors, I gave you several definitions of that word door on Sunday. The first definition is a gate. A gate only appears in a fence or a wall. A fence or a wall means that you are being, something is being kept out or something is being protected. There's a difference. See, certain doors, uh, which come, show up as gates, it's God trying to protect something that's already where it's supposed to be. So God shuts the gate to protect what's behind it. There's other times where there's something you've protected that needs to be raided. See, you have protected your sense, watch this, of superiority. Okay, let me get in your business. You know people who have, watch this, they have perfected their narcissism. They are so self-obsessed and self motivated and self-focused watch this that what they are protecting watch this is really their insecurity see the reason that they focus on themselves so much watch this is because nobody else ever focused on them so now to make sure nobody ever treats them that way now they have gated in something that they should have let out so the first is a gate second is a portal that means a large door so these are the definitions of the word door so he says i open a door i close a door he says first is a gate the second is a portal portal means a large door and the large door represents that thing that we know we need to deal with that we've not dealt with can we be honest how many of us got stuff we know we need to deal with and we don't deal with it okay watch this you avoiding it won't make it go away okay can I get you to just look at the person on your left or your right? Say, avoiding it won't make it go away. Here's what American culture has taught us. American culture has taught us that if we avoid it, perhaps it'll be somebody else's problem to deal with. If we don't talk about it, perhaps somebody else will deal with it. And the problem is, watch this, you're too mature for that. That's why there are certain things where you've avoided and God says, mm -mm, mm -mm. and right when you think, ooh, I ain't going to have to deal with that, God will throw it in your face and say, you're going to deal with this today. Watch me. And I need you not to run. I need you not to get scared. I need you not to get fretful. I need you to say, I was born for this. 
Y'all not talking to me. There are certain conversations with family members. They're portals. They are large doors where you've not had the conversation that you need to have. Watch this. Because you say, well, they're not going to listen. It ain't about them listening. It's about you saying what needs to be said so that it doesn't keep consuming you from the inside out. Third definition of door. Third definition of door means interest. That means access. Access refers to the people, places, things, and ideas that you give access to you. God says there are certain accesses that need to be shut off. Question, if you married, why your ex got access? Oh! I'm just asking. Maybe you're cool with that. And that's cool. I- I'm just saying, don't be mad if the past starts looking attractive when the present has problems. Y'all ain't going to talk to me? Let me talk over here. Y'all, please don't let me down. Don't be mad. Watch this. Don't be mad if the present, watch this, starts looking less desirable than the past when there's problems in the present. Just asking a question. Maybe you're cool with that. So I'm not knocking that. If if you're cool with that, baby, do it. Do it till you're satisfied. Whatever it is. Question, um, question. Why do you allow certain people to have access to you that you know don't mean you well? It starts with a simple message. Hey, big head. Y'all gonna play with me? Told you I'm gonna preach like a duck today. It starts with something simple, something seemingly innocuous that becomes an access point. Watch this. And when they get access to it, it's just like the Trojan horse. Once they get in there, watch this, they're in there, you don't know what they brought with them. There are certain people, watch this, that, watch this, even relatives and family, you got to learn, watch this, how to monitor your access that you give them. Watch this, you need to say, look, you cannot call me on Sundays and Wednesdays. Why? Because you ain't going to mess my spirit up before I get to word and after I get to word. All right, watch this. Here's the next thing, here's the next thing, closure. Represents closure. Closure then means conclusion or resolution. So there are certain things God says, I bring resolution to. Some of you have been praying, Lord, reveal my friends. He shut the door. He showed you that they weren't. He said, Lord, I rebuke enemies, and then friends disappeared. He brought closure, and he brought resolution. Look at me. I need you to be okay with you. So that if they walk away, you still good. Can I get you to lay your hands on yourself and say, be okay with you. Jesus was so secure in himself that even when the three that should have been there for him, Peter, James, and John, he checked them for not being able to watch and pray. But you know what he did? He kept it moving because he said, I'm not going to stop my journey because you marks can't pray. What's a mark? A sucker. Here's the last thing opportunity opportunity what is opportunity it's when something becomes possible so here's the first part when God closes doors something becomes possible when God closes doors something becomes possible what becomes possible you figure it out without that door come here See, let me tell you what 2019 has done for most of us. Watch this. It showed us how to get things done without who we thought we needed to get it done. If that's been your testimony, I just need you to give God two seconds of a hallelujah right there. Go, 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 go. Hallelujah. 
You figured out how to get stuff done without what you thought you needed, who you thought you needed. You made your calculations and it never added up. And God said, watch me step in and make a way. And when I shut this door, I'll create opportunity. When I shut this opportunity. Say yes, Lord. So the question became on Sunday, how does God close doors? We learned one, he does it himself where you can't control it. There are certain things that happen in your life where you have no control over. God literally says, I'm going to do what I'm going to do because I'm going to do what I'm going to do. There are other doors where God will use you to close the door. Got it? And then we answered this question on Sunday. Well, why would God want a door closed? One, you're unprepared. Say unprepared. unprepared. There are certain things that when God closed it, it's because you weren't ready for and had he let you continue to play with it, you would have destroyed it so it wouldn't be ready when you were ready. I'm going to back that thing up so you get it. There are certain things God didn't take. Watch this. He preserved. Come here. There are certain things God didn't get rid of. He preserved. He said, baby, you ain't ready for that now, but I got to shut this door because if I leave you in there, you're going to play with it and tear it up. So I got to shut this door so that when you're ready, I can open it up and it'll be waiting on you. For some of you, watch this. There's some stuff waiting on you to get ready. I need you to lay your hands on yourself. Say, please get ready. I need you to get your resume together. I need you to get your credit together. I need you to get your body together. Y'all ain't talking to me. I need you to get your mentality together. I need you to get dressed for where you're headed, not for where you've been. You ready? All right. Now, 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 the second reason that God would allow a door to close or close a door is that you're already where you're supposed to be, so he needs to keep something out. See, when I go in my house, I shut the door because don't nobody need to come in there after me. I shut it and I lock it because once I came in, I'm where I'm supposed to be. There are certain, watch this, there are certain things that, and we're about to deal with this in Jeremiah, and this thing is going to make me shout. Um, There are certain things that the reason you keep trying to open the door is because you're insecure about where you are. And when you are insecure about where you are and what you're doing, you will keep checking to see if somebody's at the door. Worse, you'll open the door, watch this, and let a breeze in to check and see if somebody's in the hallway. See, you, watch this, you quit starting over if you quit quitting. Ooh, let's work this thing, let's work this thing. See, sometimes when you're insecure about where you are, you will not realize that I need to leave the door behind me shut because this is where I'm supposed to be. This is my couch, this is my bar stool, this is my kitchen, this is my lions on either side of my television. Y'all ain't talking to me. This is mine. Touch your neighbor and say, I worked for this. Uh Uh-uh, try another one that'll shout when you tell them something good like that. Say, I worked for where I'm at. But if you're insecure about it, you will consequently end up making bad decisions and you'll go open the door. Watch this. And try to open the door and try to force doors open. And God says you're not maximizing where you at and what you have. And consequently, you constantly go, watch this, from one emotional high to the next emotional high to the next emotional high. Because you never learn, watch this, how to get high on your own supply. I wish. Touch your neighbor so you're already where you're supposed to be. All right, let's move. Let's move. So Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. We're going to walk these verses out. I'm almost done. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Say weeping. 
He's known as the weeping prophet because his assignment makes him weep. His assignment, um, he's got to go want more for people than they want for themselves. And here's his issue. He takes it personal. But I don't know how you don't take personal something that you care about. I never understood people who didn't put their heart and soul to what they said they believed in. Hmm. So Jeremiah, his assignment is tough, and so he's known as the weeping prophet. So the book of Lamentations, which comes after the book of Jeremiah, really is like Jeremiah part two. It means to lament. It means to mourn. But more specifically, the word lament there in Hebrew, the language of our Old Testament, it means why and how. So Jeremiah is a weeping prophet because he's trying to get those two questions answered. Why and how? Both of those questions, watch this, are above his pay grade. What do you mean? His weeping is because he's asking questions that are none of his business. Can I ask you a question? How much or how many emotional moments did you have in 2019 because you were asking questions that were really above your pay grade? And so you're driving down the street and then watch this, having a good moment, one moment, and then the next moment you're breaking down in tears, slowing up traffic on 225. Because you're asking why and how. Watch me. Watch me. How can come later? Why can come later? Obedience must come now. You ready? So when I say you're ready, I need you to respond. You ready? All right, good. Come on. I thought this was Wednesday. Jeremiah 1.4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Which means life started before conception. Before you ever got a body, you were a spirit. You are a spirit that has a soul that's your mind, thoughts, will, and emotions, and we live in the physical body. Before your mama met your daddy, God decided when you would be born, where you would be born, to whom you would be born, which is why you couldn't be aborted. That accident couldn't kill you. You had to be here. I need you to know you're not an accident. You're on purpose. I need you to lay your hands on yourself. Say, I'm here on purpose. Now, y'all ain't saying it like you mean it. I need you to say, say, I was born. For the time I was needed most. And I need you to holler this like an army say, and that's now. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Which means God says, listen, I knew you before you got a body. This is why Christian ministry is called the ministry of reconciliation. Reconcile, re-again concile, put together again. The reason it's reconciliation is because we already knew him before we got here. When we got here, we acted brand new. That's why when you worship, you can have a transcendent experience sometimes where you feel like you left your body and you're looking at you. Who am I talking to? And you're like, where is this coming from? It's because you're going back to the days before you had a body. And when you worshiped him, you worshiped him. Come here, Jesus, in spirit and then true, which means you weren't trying to hide none from him. You were keeping it real with him. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. That means I set you apart. So before you got a body, you had a consecration. Set you apart. Which is why whenever you're trying to fit in with less than, it will never work. 
I need to explain to some of you why your high school days were so traumatic, why your college days were so traumatic. Let me speak to everybody right now where even making friends now seems to sometimes be a bit of a struggle. Either one, you're Looney Tunes and you need to get some, you need, y'all ain't talking to me, and you need to let somebody help you with that. Or number two, what's going on is that there's something about you that's set apart that can't gel with just everybody. You're not hearing what I'm saying. There's something about you that just can't fit with everybody, can't gel with everybody. And while everybody else got their little click and they're hanging out and doing all of that, you're like, you know what? I just can't do that. There's something in me that won't let me come down there. Come down for. Touch your neighbor and say, you sit next to a Jeremiah. That's what you said. Baby, I wasn't sent to take sides. I was sent to take over. Now, don't let that be an excuse to be a bad friend because you may need somebody to help you with that. And listen to me, church. Let me deal with this. There is nothing wrong with needing help. Ooh, I don't like your silence. Sometimes you need Jesus and some sessions and some therapy and some counseling because it's easy to sit in here and hear this for somebody else. So don't, don't, don't think that, 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 that there's, there's something wrong with getting a little help. Touch the neighbor and say, we all need a little help. Every now and then. So don't ever look down on nobody because they're getting some help. Oh, I'm going to say that again because I don't like your silence. Ooh-wee. Okay. All right, so, so just because people will use that as an excuse. reason I don't have no friends is because I'm anointed. Or go to Harvest Church, that church, and click on Sessions. Bible! I, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart. Which means God says, before you got here, I determined what you're supposed to do. I determined that for you. Now, your fight with God has been you trying to tell him what you're going to do. Can I get more than two witnesses? Can I get three? Can I get four? Four? Can I get five? Can I get six? All right. He says, here's what I did. I appointed you, Jeremiah, a prophet to the nations. God is telling Jeremiah this after Jeremiah's already now a young adult. Why is God telling him this? Here's the first thing. God needed to close the gate of confusion about his calling so he'd stop praying for clarity and pray for courage. I'm going to back that thing up. God needed to close the gate. Somebody say close doors work. Of confusion about his calling so he'd stop praying for clarity and start praying for courage. 2019 has made you question your call. I wish I had honest people here. 2019 has made you question your career path. It's made you question everything you're doing. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. If, if 2019 has thrown some questions in your mind, can you just wave your hand one time? If you're watching on a digital campus, just wave your hand one time. 2019 slipped, put you up against the wall and was like, huh? 2019 said, you called, huh? You anointed, huh? You gonna serve, huh? And you better look at that 2019 and take that trick out back and choke it out and say, for this reason, was I sent. All right? 
He says, Jeremiah, you're insecure, man. You're insecure. You're insecure. And let me, can I be honest with you? There's nothing worse than an insecure man with power. Because an insecure man with power, watch this, he will try to gain security in the use of his power. Woo, and if you, if you would free me, I could talk about something. I won't, I won't. I won't. Because power never satisfies the insecure. So when they get power, they got to use it to beat other people down. And watch this, an insecure man never says it to your face, he tweets you. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Let me move on. Put the Bible up. I pointed you. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, I rebuke your insecurity. Uh-uh. Say it like you mean it. Say, I rebuke your insecurity. Hear me. You're good enough. You're strong enough. You're wise enough. You got what it takes. Let me talk to my men for a minute. Fellas, you got what it takes. You have nothing to prove to anybody. God sent you for such a time as this. You're man enough. You're masculine enough. You're strong enough. I need everybody that's losing insecurity and losing, leaving it in this room. On the count of three, I need you to give God praise. One, two, three, go. Come on. Somebody say, I rebuke my insecurity. Say it again. Say, I rebuke my insecurity. See, because when you're insecure, you spend your time trying to prove something. And you're never satisfied. So what did God do for Jeremiah? He shut that gate. He said, look, look, man, I don't have time for you to be insecure walking around because your assignment, watch me, look at me, please. Your assignment requires your energy. And when you're insecure, you use a lot of your energy, watch this, worried about things nobody's looking at. Some of you right now, you're insecure about what people think about you, so you've literally gone into debt over Christmas gifts. Say that one again. I got to move. I'm out of time. Watch. Say, Lord, give me courage to walk in what I'm called to do. Why do you need courage? Because when you're walking it out, there's going to be days it's going to look like it's not supposed to happen. There's going to be days, watch this, where you're going to be like, I couldn't be called to do this. If it's, watch this, if this is my calling, why the struggle? If this is my calling, why the difficulty? Why the issue? And consequently, listen to me, many of you will settle for what you're good at, not what you're called to do. And when you're good at a lot of things, there's a whole lot of stuff you could do, but you're not called to do. And so consequently, you settle for less. But I need you to lay your hands on yourself. Say, no settling for the rest of this year. Say, are in 2020. You weren't sent here to just do what you're talented to do. You were sent here to do what you're called to do. Here's the next verse. Can I go? Verse 6. Then I said, Lord God, watch him. How do you know God started with his insecurity? Watch it try to peek out again. Ah, Lord God, behold. Here's my problem with the word behold. What you finna show God he didn't see? 
Behold, watch me, I don't know how to speak. Now, he doesn't mean that literally because he's talking. He says, I don't know how to speak in the realm of my call. What do you mean? I'm only a youth. He said, everybody in this room is older than me, Jeremiah says. Jeremiah says, so consequently, I'm scared to speak because I don't sound right to me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Your fear, that's why we dealt with this on prayer. If you weren't on prayer on Monday, you got to go watch it. Your fear has literally stolen from you. How you know it stole from you? Because while you're sitting here trying to tell God why you can't do it, you should have been speaking to what you were supposed to be speaking to. Lay your hands on yourself say, no excuses. Mm-mm, you ain't talking strong enough to yourself. If you talk strong to yourself, you get some results from yourself. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, no excuses. So to all of my young people, you may be young, but you're ready. To all my not as young as you used to be people, you might be young, but you're ready. Somebody say, I'm ready. Look at the verse. 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 Let's go to verse 6. Then I said, Lord God, I don't know how to speak, for I am only a youth. What did he do? He used his age as an excuse. Some of you think you, watch this, you are misusing your 20s and 30s saying you'll do it in your 40s and 50s. Some of you misusing your 40s and 50s saying you'll do it in your 50s and 60s. You catch the point. You're misusing your 40s and 50s saying, yeah, I'll do it in my 60s and 70s. You're misusing your 60s and 70s saying, I'll do it in my 80s and 90s. Misusing your 80s and 90s saying, I'll do it in my... Bible says you only get to 120 and an extra five years after that if you're strong. That's Bible. Now, now pre to that, you saw people like Methuselah, et cetera, who lived beyond that. Then after that, God put a limit on it. He said, Mm-mm, we got to put a limit on this thing. All right? Now, let's keep watch, watching this. Look at this. Look. He says, I like verse 7. Touch the neighbor says, it's about to get good. So I tell the Lord, Lord, I can't. I'm too young. What's God's response? I love God. But the Lord said to me, look at me. Look how God said it to him. Don't tell me. See, some of y'all know your mama name, your daddy name got that. Well, they ain't even going to talk for full mouth. It's like, don't tell me. He says, shut up, boy. Don't tell me I'm a you. You didn't think I knew that? You didn't think I knew you were single mama? You didn't think I knew you'd been locked up? You didn't think I knew you had bad credit? You didn't think I knew you were struggling with some of your identity issues? Y'all ain't talking to me. You didn't think I knew that you grew up with a family that didn't teach you how to love? You don't think I knew that? You're going to go wherever I tell you to go. And you're going to say whatever I tell you to say. What does this mean? God shut, watch this, God shut a door. Say he shut a door. Now, watch this. Now, he's finally closing this portal of fear. Because fear is a big door for Jeremiah. And God says, look, let me solve your problem. I'll tell you where to go. I'll tell you what to say. What are our problems now? What are you going to complain about now? You told me you were too young. I told you you're ready. Somebody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. 
You told me you don't know. Watch this. And then I answered the other parts of what you didn't say. You're going to go where I tell you to go. You're going to say what I tell you to say. Say, Lord, Lord cause me, me to go where you tell me to go and say what you tell me to say. What does this mean? I got to stay in close relationship so I can hear what he says so I know what to say. What does he do? He establishes dependence. What does he do? He closes the door. Watch this. The declarations of, watch this, independence. I don't need God. I'm educated. I don't need God. I got money. I don't need God. I've got credit. I don't need God. I've got a family pedigree. And God says, Jeremiah, you need me. Let's go. Like a fish. You need me like Hagen needs. You need me like Ben needs. Can't have one without the other. Check this out. He says, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Can we keep going? All right, watch this. Say closed doors work. Verse 9. Then the Lord put out his hand. I love how Jeremiah cleans it up. He put his hands on him. And every father with a son knows. Sometimes. Not all the time. Oh, y'all got quiet right now. Let's leave that alone. Sometimes you talking. But what you need to do is snatch up. Allow me to demonstrate. Won't you come? If you ever had one of these moments, I'll know because you'll just hollow. Here's a snatch up. Here's a snatch up. Uh, here, you, you come do it so I can hold my mic. So now, say, I'm just a youth. Come right here. Say, say it. I'm just a youth. No, just say it like you, like you, like you hollered. I'm just a youth. Say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Snatch him up. <laughs> God snatched Jeremiah up. Because you weren't listening when he was saying these and thou's to you. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> That's good. You apparently have had a few. Amen. Praise him. Watch me. He, he puts his hand on him. He said, <laughs> he said, <laughs> look, I got so excited about that. I skipped verse 8. Go to verse 8. <laughs> Go to verse 8. Do not be afraid of them. Stop. So now it reveals what Jeremiah was really thinking. Here's the danger when you try to play God. He already knows the deal. So he's like, look, I know what your problem is. You're afraid of them. He says, I'm with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Say, Lord, Lord take my fear. I still sense it in this room. Say it again. Say, Lord, I release and I renounce my fear. I'll know it because there'll be a break in the atmosphere when you're serious about it. Say, Lord, I release and I renounce my fear. Y'all are playing with me. Say it again. Say, I release and I renounce my fear. Say, I won't waste another moment living in fear. Give God a praise for three seconds. Go. 
Somebody holler, no fear. You ain't going to be scared to go to work. You ain't going to be scared to submit the proposal. You ain't going to be scared to have the conversation. You will not. Watch, let me finish. He says, he says, then the Lord put his hand on me, snatched me up, and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said, look, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. Question Wednesday, how can he put words in your mouth that you won't study? It amazes me how many people don't live in this city that are blessed by this word, and you live in this city. It amazes me sometimes the people who are right around me, and I listen to some of the stuff they say, and I'm like, how you been around me all this time and are nothing? Say, Lord, put your word in my mouth. This is why we have the podcast. This is why we had a YouTube. This is why we have all of these different things available. Why? So that you can have his word in your mouth. So what did God do? God shut the door, watch this, of bad declaration. He said, Jeremiah, you're supposed to be a prophet, and you're about the most negative dude I've met. Could it be that your current temperament doesn't match your future position? He said, Jeremiah, please stop talking. Because you're supposed to prophesy to people. You're supposed to take them out to bring them in. You can't even say something good about what I called you to do. Question Wednesday, what's your confession about your call? Yes. Verse 10, let me wrap this up. See? So what do you have to do? You have to show them something. So as God's closing doors, what is he saying? I'm trying to show you something. Say, Lord, show me. This day, watch this. I set you over nations, over kingdoms. Stop. He's this young man that just finished complaining about not being good enough, being insecure, and walking in fear. And I said, Jeremiah, I can't have you walking in front of the king like that. Because if he senses you a punk, he's going to send you right out of there. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, gladiator, be stirred. Yeah. yeah. I need you to have such a warrior mentality on the inside of you that whatever you face, you can be like David and say this. Let me finish. Let me finish. He says to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build. And to plant. So the first thing Jeremiah's call was to do was to tear up. Some of you, watch this, you're already in your call and didn't know it because it was messy. Because a lot of stuff got toe up. Pluck up, break down, destroy, overthrow. And then he says, what are you going to do? You're going to build and what? Plant. Say build. Plant. I need, to, I need you to hear me. For most of y'all, you and them last two words from here all through 2020. To build. Most of what needed to come down came down in 2019. I, I wish you were sitting next to somebody that believed from the end of this year until 2020 that they're going to be doing these last two things. Building and planting. Building and planting. Building and planting. Building and planting. Build. Touch somebody on the shoulder say, that's what I'm doing. So what did he do? God closed small thinking and opened opportunity. 
He closed small thinking and opened opportunity. Because remember, one of the definitions of doors is opportunity. So what did God do? He closed the door to small thinking. He said, Jeremiah, you are not some little chump change. Jeremiah, you f- I'm setting you over. If you ever look at pictures from antiquity, you will notice something that you'll have a king seated. You will have the officials of that king's court. And then you'll see a gentleman in the picture that normally has what's called a mitre on his head. The mitre was the crown or the headdress of a bishop. It represented, watch this, that in that day and in that time, that the men of God were the king makers. So when God says to Jeremiah, I set you over, he said, you're going to decide who sits in seats of power. Which means your seat is greater than the seat of power because you determine who sits in the seat of power. See, for some of you, watch this. Your seat is not in a seat of authority. It's a seat behind the scenes. Come here. Because behind the scenes, you get to affect what happens in authority. All right, let's move. Let's move. Let's move. Let's do deep. Okay. All right. Say, I release small thinking. That ain't how you say it when you mean it. Say, I release small thinking. Verse 11. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, here it is. Here's the message. Here's what this stuff on the table is for. Except this. I forgot to tell you, we're doing something for your kids. Um, so they get ready for 2020. I need your kids debt free. So, so we're getting them set up right now in Harvest Kids so that they're they, they going to they gonna start living debt-free principles. I figure if we get it right over there, by the time they come... So if your child's like, uh-uh, we ain't going to Dairy Queen today. We'll get a Lord, but do the Lord. We fasting today, mom. <laughs> Leave him alone. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah. So what did God just finish doing? Closing these doors. He closed the door to fear. He closed the door to uh, insecurity. He closed the door to small thinking. He closed the door to bad declarations. Let's review. He closed the door to fear. Closed the door to insecurity. Closed the door to small thinking. Closed the door to bad declarations. So then he says, now that I shut all these doors, what do you see? What do you see? And he said, I see an almond branch. Almond branch. Now, why would God show Jeremiah an almond branch? Someone say almonds. Why would he show him an almond branch? Say why, Bishop? Great question. The reason he shows him an almond branch is because an almond branch, watch me, I need you to catch this, please, is the first flower of the year to blossom. Which means this is the flower that's known as the awakener. He said, Jeremiah, what do you see? He tells the Lord, I'm woke. He says, I've opened my eyes to myself and to what's around me. I need you to say this. Say, Lord, open my eyes. Say, remove the poison from my perception. So the almond tree depicts, watch this, watchfulness. 
What does it mean? It means I'm watching. I'm ready. I need you to be ready because it's going to come unexpected. Bishop, but if it's unexpected, how can I be ready? See, you stay ready. You never have to get ready. For many of you, the change is going to come so quick and so dramatic and so fast. One moment you're going to be sitting in one thing and the next moment you're going to be sitting in another thing. And I need you not to be fearful. I need you not to be insecure. I need you not to have a bad declaration. And I need you not to say, I don't deserve this because you got small thinking. I need you to lay your hands on yourself. Say, I'm ready. Watch, 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 watch. It's the awakener. He says, Lord, when I see almonds, and, and if, if I had time to teach you more in depth, I could, I don't. But almonds are significant because almonds appear even as it relates to the temple. It talks about the temple and sacrifice. You see almonds all throughout scripture. This means, watch this, I am watchful. I'm ready. So the first thing he sees in a vision is himself ready. Why am I having you do a vision board after church tonight? Like, you know, who does that? Like, what church is giving out vision board stuff and all that? We do. Why? Because I need you to show God. Come here, please. I need you to show him that you're ready. Would you please lay your hands on yourself? Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Why did he have me laying hands on myself so much? Life and death and the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat its fruit. Wherever two touch and agree on anything, it should be done for them. You are a tripart being, so I got you to agree with you. All right, look at this next part. Then the Lord said to me, you've seen well. He said, I like what you put on your vision board. Because that's what I want. Hmm, you ready? He says, you've seen well. I'm watching over my word to perform it. Notice what he didn't say Wednesday. Notice what he didn't say, digital campuses. He did not say you've seen perfect. He said, you've seen well. Y'all better hear me. Remember, 2020 vision isn't perfect vision. It's normal vision. 2015 or 2020 or 2010 is a better quality of vision because it's not actually dealing with vision per se. It's dealing with something called visual acuity. Visual acuity means what you can see from the same distance as somebody else. So somebody with 2015 can see at 15 feet what somebody else has to be, or somebody can see at 15 feet what another would see at a further distance. Somebody can see at 10 feet what somebody would see at a further distance, which means the acuity of the person is better. But 2020 ain't perfect. 2020 just means it works. 2020 just means it's good. Say normal vision. All of what you've been through this year is to get your vision. Not to be poisoned, watch me, but to be normal. And God's not asking you to see it perfectly. He just doesn't want you to see it through poison anymore. So can I get you to release this over your life? Say everything that happened to me was good for me. Matter of fact, say, it didn't happen for me. Or excuse me, say it this way. Say, it didn't happen to me. Say it like this. Say, it happened for me. Say this with me. Say, everybody that walked out is not necessary. Say, I'm not chasing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm so not. Bye.
Watch. 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 He says, Jeremiah, you see you properly now. And you see what's around you properly. He said, before when we were talking, you didn't see you properly. You didn't see what was around you properly. So consequently, Jeremiah, we spent a bunch of time going back and forth when you should have been marching forward. Say, no more wasted time. Here's the last part of the verse, and then I'm going to shout you. Are you learning? Yes. All right, here it is. Verse 13. The word of the Lord came to me. Uh, this is why for many of you, there's certain situations in your life you're like, again? Who am I talking to? What are you? You're like, mm -mm, not again. You put one fire out, and then you're looking over here like, oh. oh. So, watch me. The second time is to make sure you didn't go back. The second time is to make sure you didn't regress. The second time is to make sure that that thing was actually out of you. Can I get you to confess this over your life? Say, I've made progress. And let's go here for a minute. And I may not be where I want to be, but I can thank God that I'm not where I used to be. See, the reason it comes back a second time, the reason the situation pops up a second time, the reason that issue pops up a second time, the reason you're seemingly having to have that conversation with that person a second time is because God says, I need to make sure you didn't go back to seeing it the way you used to see it. I need to make sure you got the lesson this time. So the second time, watch this. The second time is what clears you for takeoff. The second time is what clears you for God to be able to do what he's promised you. And I need you to know you're sitting next to somebody. Watch this. You ain't going to be able to recognize them in a month or so. Not because they're arrogant, not because they're snooty. But what God's about to do for them over the next 30 days is going to blow. I wish I had some faith in this room. There's not enough faith in this room. Throw your hands up and say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm feeling good right through here. He said, what do you see? A second time. Watch. This time, he doesn't see almonds. Because God says, we've already dealt with the lesson. I closed the door to your fear. I closed the door to your insecurity. I closed the door to your bad confessions, and I have closed the door to your bad declarations. I have shut the door. Close the door so God can give you what you've been waiting for. He doesn't see, he doesn't see omens this time. This time what he sees, can y'all see the omens? I'm kind of almondy in color on my hands. There you go. <laughs> almondy. I prefer the term karma macchiato. That's the term I prefer. <laughs> Watch. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Come to me a second time. Say, what do you see this time? He says, I see a boiling pot. What's in the pot, Jeremiah? I wonder what's in the pot. Y'all, y'all, there's water in the pot. Come on, can you show them the water? I'm not the color of water. <laughs> Come on up here, son. Come on in the pot. 
talking about the cook. I'm lying. You do not want me to cook. I'm about to boil some water. That's <laughs> okay, y'all see this? He says, what do you see? He says, I see a pot, a boiling pot. The inference is water. Got it? Because it would have been uh, uncustomary for Hebrew to be boiling something else. So he says, I see a boiling pot. It's facing away from the north. What? What? It's a boiling pot. It's facing away from the north. When water begins to boil, please be a good church. When water begins to boil, see, I shouldn't have to say no more. You should have it. Please, singers. Even if you don't get it, just pretend. When water is boiling, <laughs> it's still like, say it, sir. I don't know where he's going with this. How do I know that the temperature's right? How do I know that it's time for me to finally manifest what it is I've been working on? Y'all ready? How do I know that something is ready? It begins to boil. Y'all got it now, huh? <laughs> what God is trying to say to you and I through Jeremiah is Jeremiah the second time reveals that you're finally ready. Say ready. Say it again. Say ready. Say, Jeremiah, now that you see right, now you're ready to serve right. Do right. Live right. Act right. <laughs> but you know what boiling also indicates? There are certain things that if they were in the water, that were contaminants, please be a good church. That the temperature got so high that it killed anything that would have tried to contain. Y'all ain't hear me. This is why you need to thank God for whatever exited you in 2019. Because God got the temperature to a place where any contaminants could not live and any contaminants could not survive. But, but watch this. I got any cooks in the room? Any cooks in the room? Who can like cook, cook? Okay, not, okay. So, so cook, like if you say it twice, that means like you're really good. So like who can cook, cook? Let me see. Again. Who can cook? Who can boil water? Who can make Pop-Tarts? Come on, let's go, let's see. Whatever I can get. <laughs> Come on, Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Who can make toaster strudel? <laughs> so booze yourself. Get you a Pop-Tart. All right, watch. I'm just messing, being funny. Check this out, guys. Check this out, check this out. Look at me. Look at me. Boiling water means that whatever I'm about to do, it's going to be what? Hot, okay? 
But if I'm boiling pasta, do I want to put pasta in cold water? No, 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 no. If, if, I, if I got boiling water, that means whatever I'm doing, it's going to happen So not only am I ready, not only are the contaminants gone, but watch this, now that I see right, it ain't gonna take that long. That's why for some of you, watch me, for some of you, watch me, the reason you can't be rushing out of 2020 is because God says, now that you see right, baby, I'm gonna get this thing done over these last 14, 13. I need you to release this over yourself, say it's not gonna take God that long. But watch me, but watch me. I want to check something because, because does the temperature of your praise match? How will you know I'm ready, Bishop, that your praise isn't inhibited by anybody on your road? How will the Lord know that I'm ready, Bishop, that your worship won't be stopped by anybody in your section? I wish you'd take your section over, let them in your section, let take you over and put a praise in this atmosphere that's boiling. Put a praise in this atmosphere that's... Put a praise in this atmosphere that's boiling. Come on, Wednesday, open up your mouth and release a praise. God, I'm ready. And my praise is the evidence. My worship is the evidence. My shout is the evidence. Come on, go, just the voices, go. Come on, take that temperature up. Come on. In this building and online, come on. Show God that you're ready with your praise. Show him that you're ready with your shout. Show him that you're ready with your worship. Hallelujah. Come on, give him glory. Everybody's standing. Everybody's standing. Everybody's standing. Everybody's standing. Skip down. Skip down to. Uh, skip down to like verse 17 for me of Jeremiah 1. Skip down. But you, say your name. Get dressed for work. Everybody in this building and everybody online who you're searching for employment, I declare a call coming to you. Y'all ain't talking to me and I don't understand why you play with me. Say opportunities coming to me. Says you get dressed for work, arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed lest I dismay you before them. Next verse. Go to the next verse for me. He says, ah, behold, this day, say this day. I make you a fortified city, an iron pillar, browns walls against the whole land, against the kings, its officials, the priests, and the people. What does this mean? He says, when you, when you see right, then you're ready. When you're ready, I fortify you. I need you to lay yourself, lay your hands on yourself. Say, I won't backslide this time. Say, I won't give up this time. Say, I won't mess it up this time. Say, I'm ready. 
He's ready. Let's go. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. And at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God. And they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means, that not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word DECISION to the phone number 59769. And when you do, I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and, and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Since 1981, Unbound has connected people like you with families worldwide on their self-directed paths out of poverty. A brighter future is possible for these families when we all walk together. Sponsor a child today and you'll help a family take the first steps on their path. Change their future in just one click. Start walking with your new friend today at unbound.org slash walk.